0: Hello, and welcome to episode one of the Circles podcast. My name is Stefan Rundström, and I am the owner and founder of Circles Drum Samples. If you aren't familiar with who we are or what we do, we make drum sample and loop libraries. These are in turn used by singer-songwriters, audio engineers, producers, mixers, to be the start of a track to make their songs sound better using our samples. That's the idea. Along the way, we've recorded some more interesting libraries, like Desert and Desert Volume Two, or Buffalo, in which we bring drums outside and record them outdoors. Not in a studio, but outside. These are polarizing libraries. Some people think they're awesome, other people think they're kinda silly, and we agree, that's why we do them. And recording these presents challenges, recording these libraries presents external challenges, weather, planes, wind, power. Also, how do you make a drum set sound good outside? Is it possible? Yes and no. So we wanted to dive back into these sessions and talk about the recording process, what it's like, and some of the weird phenomenon we've encountered while recording these outdoor libraries. Essentially, it's the weirdness of all these things that really draws us to do these libraries. And we thought a podcast would be a great medium to dive back in and explore these sessions a little bit. So with that said, we're starting a whole podcast series of audio phenomenon that we find interesting and diving back in and being able to use audio mixed in with the conversation to illustrate these phenomenons. I'm really excited about this just because it's a new format to really learn and understand and tell a story. And that's kind of what I'm always seeking out to do. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. This is the first episode. We love feedback on this so yeah without further ado here is my conversation with tyler lingren who is the other person at circles drum samples and we're going to talk about recording drums outside wanted to sort of take it back to the impetus of why we even do this to begin with mm-hmm. and why we found it interesting to all fly out to the Sonoran Desert in the middle of a flaming hot September <laughs> a year ago and sort of start this tradition of recording drums outside and then doing the subsequent Buffalo Desert Volume 2 libraries where we're tracking outside.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So if, you, if somebody came up to you and was like, what are the benefits of recording anything outside but especially recording drums outside Mm -hmm. what do you tell them a couple things
1: first being that it is the most fun way to do drums cuz you know when you're in a studio everybody thinks it's all fun and there's a big console and all these knobs and really you're just like kind of under a bright light being watched really closely and everything that you're doing is being watched really closely the outside provides you with the space to just be like, fuck it i'm just going to play this and it's and it's great Technically speaking, there's no walls, so everything you record is going to be oddly dead because there's no reflective surfaces because you're not getting any reflections or reverberations because they're physically not there. It's deader than dead, but kind of. You (laughs) know, it's it's, it's oddly dead-ish, but then the other part of it is because it is such an unusual natural space you have all of these very unconventional effects kind of geological formations that are going to reflect and cause reverb that is very different than what you're going to get in a studio A studio C kind of vibe or even an echo chamber or it's like the entire your entire you know land that you're on recording is essentially like a giant H3000 you know, oh, the, the delay is time different in the left and right, right,
0: and you know, or the ridge kit, it's all coming right back at mm. you, or... It's so just kind of like the changing the setting of the H3000 in the outside world is just moving the drums around.
1: Yeah, moving the drums of the mics, yeah. So it's a different control of your effects and your origin sounds, and you have no room mics to play with because there is no room. Mm-hmm. You literally just have direct and effects. Which is interesting.
0: Yeah, all time-based, essentially effects. Mm-hmm. Maybe explain that a little bit more. Like the time-based effects. Like we did this kit in Buffalo, uh-huh. the Ridge Kit, where we set up in front of this ridge, and it was this pretty insane sort of slapback, like kind of like a what you hear in a stadium or something. Yep. And depending on where we had the shotgun mics pointed, it would give you a different uh, sort of just overall sound hugeness. What is actually happening in this situation? So a
1: time-based effect versus a dynamic effect is time-based means that something is happening to mess with the time after the drum is hit. So whether it's delay, Delay, echo, echo, echo. echo reverb that's pretty much what you're working with outside it's all of those characteristics that make a space feel larger or smaller um whereas the only really dynamic effects we've gotten on stuff where it's affecting the original sound at the close mics is maybe something like we did something called the hay bale kit where we were outside but there was all these hay bales around us that were absorptive so the sound does it doesn't reflect, but it gets sucked up. Yeah. And that vacuum creates, again, deader than deader than dead. Usually it's these, you know, close mics on the kit getting the raw sound, and then a couple very directional mics that you can use to point at what is causing the time based effect. Yes. So when you're in, you know, Desert 2, We recorded all the drums in this wash, this river wash that was dry, thankfully, at the time. And uh, (laughs) no flash floods. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And um, even if you just clap walking up the canyon, you can hear different echoes coming back from different directions. And depending on how far they are away, they're going to change the pitch a little bit. So it's almost like you have to identify where the cool reflection is and then point a super directional mic directly at that spot so you can catch that piece of the effect yeah so it's almost like you're miking effect pieces rather than turning up knobs or time or
0: all of your effects here are are sound bouncing off of other things mm-hmm. so it's like having like a big piece of gear that is the ultimate analog piece of gear <laughs> it's right echoes and reverbs so I guess we both understand why people think this is stupid. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we run a lot of like ads on Instagram and Facebook for, you know, video stuff of recording our libraries and shit. And f- whatever reason, recording stuff outside just hits people either like they love it or they absolutely hate it, uh-huh. which most of the time is like a great Goldilocks zone to be in because you've done something that is pissing people off but some people like this is sick right so you think that those would be like you know super successful right (laughs) Uh, um these outdoor ones they're more of like a passion project for us i guess and we put them out and and people do like them Mm -hmm. they just don't really do as well as like the more traditional stuff Mm -hmm. so i'm curious like if you saw an ad for this on instagram and you didn't know anything about it would you be like hipsters or this is sick i'd probably be like this is sick because like i said it's kind of crossing everything i like like if
1: there's someone doing a pour over coffee <laughs> in the video then i'm like oh shit i'm there <laughs> <laughs> you know
0: we're just hipsters though so that makes right. sense for us it <laughs> makes
1: sense outdoor nice coffee and doing drums and engineering like it that like like seems a great, great, great day great right. day to me right to me the weird thing that i think gets lost in translation a little bit is there's there's this inherent implied value to being in a studio because it costs a lot and the gear you have to maintain and it's, Mm -hmm. it's a fucking nightmare. Right. But then you go outside and there's none of that. It's a a zoom (laughs) and like, you know, the mics that you don't want to, that you can risk getting really damaged. Like when we did desert one, it was like 115 outside by the end of tracking. Batali. So like taking the symbols off the stands would literally burn your hands. Yeah, literally, yeah. So, you know, putting a some kind of nice vintage capsule coated in gold that's just uh. gonna melt in that heat is a terrible choice. Yeah, no so good. it's like, you know, do you want the 421 or the 57 for the kick? <laughs> oh, we have a D6,
0: fantastic, <laughs> you know? <laughs> The second you bring an acoustic drum that should have normally been recorded in a studio, but you put it somewhere that maybe it shouldn't have, Mm -hmm. people go, nah, don't do that. This is stupid.
1: (laughs) Whoa, this is not what I'm used to.
0: Yes. You know, I think it's weird
1: too, because it's in my earlier example of there's two different things that you get out of it, the effects and then the dry sounds. It's like, do you like these effects? That's essentially what you're asking people when you sell it. I see. You know, it's like if you don't like the giant canyon reflection, then you're probably not going to buy it. Right. You know,
0: you have to want that thing. You
1: have to want that thing because it is a very particular thing. And in my opinion, it's rare. Because no one's going to go to that canyon and do that. Yeah. I mean, go for it. Yeah. Please go for that. Yeah. If anybody's listening to this, super fun. go do that. It's yeah. awesome. But I don't think that that's going to be a possibility for most people. Yeah. So that's it's like you're getting something that's that's boutique, that's in a non hipster way. It's just something that's natural, organic. You know, we took the time to
0: do that to capture that thing and you like it or you don't. Right. You know, that's what it is. It's, it, it is like a one trick pony kind of thing. Like if you really want this, uh-huh. this per- very particular thing uh-huh. and you happen to also be a hipster like us. Right. <laughs> this is going to be great for you. <laughs> right. I will say though, playing, we set up on this, this ridge at the end um, of Desert Volume 2, the last kit we did, which we call the Scorpion kit, mm-hmm. uh, which we did the same location, Desert 1 called it scorpion. Cause we were trying to do the same thing before climb up and get up to this cliff face Ridge, uh, end area. And, uh, you pulled off a little piece of rock and there was a giant scorpion. Um, thus we dubbed it scorpion, right?
1: Let out the most, uh, true shriek
0: of my adult life. Yes. High pitched Nordic shriek. <laughs> it's terrifying. Yes. So forever, this place will be known as scorpion, mm-hmm. uh, This general area known as scorpion and so what we did this time was bring the drums up to an area just basically across the canyon from where we did before and this had a much more unobstructed sort of uh reflection i guess you would say like just it it was able to reverberate in a lot more different ways Mm -hmm. so when i was playing up there there was one loop i did with the hi-hat that I was able to sync exactly with the reflections on either side. Uh-huh. And it was a moment that I had for sure. Yeah, I think about that a lot. And when I hear that loop, I can hear it too. It's like chicka, 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 the left, right, left, right, left, right kind of reflection. Uh-huh. It was really cool. And it, it sounds kind of silly perhaps, but... I think when you're a kid and like you first hear like an echo or something, you're like, whoa, mm-hmm. that's sick. And we turn to little kids out there when like Joey was like screaming. <laughs> yeah. And then we're like, wait, 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 wait for, wait for it like it would come back <laughs> yeah, to totally. So there's there's an element of it being like very juvenile too. That yep. I think we just enjoy doing so much. And it's fun the visuals are are so fun to capture cuz they're just so insane. Mm-hmm. Like where we re- recorded and bringing buckets out and you know we're drinking palomas. It's like it's such a fun experience that I, yeah, I think you're right. I do encourage anybody out there that's on the fence about trying something like this to just do it. Uh-huh. It's super fun.
1: It's great. Yeah, it's interesting because the, you know, in in the circles, like, universe or whatever you want to call it, like, most people gravitate Hmm. towards the dead sounds. Because that's reliable, you know what it is, you can manipulate it, but so much of that is up to the user to create the vibe on top of those things. Sure. Whereas these outside packs, because of what they are right. there's instant vibe there so like if you want to make a drenched in mezcal paloma record mm-hmm. from the fucking desert or like the neo-western you know punk rock record then yeah. you got that vibe in these sounds
0: it's it's one of those things with samples where they can be like a catalyst mm-hmm. You said something earlier that I wanted to talk about, which was like when you hear a loop played back and you hear a riff come into it, this is when you know you've got a great loop. Yes. (laughs) And it seems like you could just walk, you know, you and I, just being drummers, could walk into a studio and just play a fucking cool loop. Right. But it's not always the case. right? Like Sometimes it just doesn't work like that. Uh You're not in the right headspace or the drums aren't right. And like, it's, it can be kind of a challenge to like play something that's cool. Right. But when you hear that loop, that drum loop played back and you can hear a riff come in before it comes in is when you've won. Uh
1: (laughs) Absolutely. That's like
0: Dave Grohl always said, like if, if this song makes you want to air drum this part, then it's a great drum part. I think it's kind of the same thing for loops. If you hear a melody come in on top of this
1: it's great right on that topic just being being outside in general is an awesome limitation in tons of different ways um so you're you're kind of putting yourself in a space or a vibe where a certain kind of riff is is automatically going to come out because of those limitations where when you're in a studio it's like I don't know. We got a 36-inch Kistrom. drum. We got an 18. We have everything in between. We could do anything. What do you, you want to do? You want to turn the
0: room mics up? You want to turn them down? Yeah, right. <laughs> Get some gobos in here?
1: Exactly. When it's outside, it's six inputs, eight on desert one, six on everything else, mm. which making a drum kit sound proper with six inputs with no reflections is an awesome challenge. Like go so, outside and try it. So
0: talk a little bit about, cause you've engineered desert Buffalo desert Two. Mm-hmm. sort of explain our, our setup. We had a guy on Instagram. I think you saw ask you the other day where he's like, what'd you guys use for power out there? So I think some people think that we're, um, you know, bringing like a full rig out right. there, <laughs> which <laughs> you know, we talked about doing. We did. We 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 went down that rabbit hole and
1: then got to the point where we were gonna buy some generators, silent generator stuff, <laughs> and then we're like, yeah, fuck that. We don't yeah. have budget for that. Yes, no. Definitely so not. it's kind of the so the setup essentially is batteries. You're limited by batteries, and you're limited by a field recorder. Mm-hmm. So on Desert One, we had a Zoom F eight I yep. believe. F8 in. Yeah, which the, every one of those eight inputs has phantom power. Um they all you know have gain. The the pre's are really transparent mm-hmm. and just average, basic, nothing crazy. Yeah. We
0: were was was pretty impressed with that F eight.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. It was great. Um Especially for having like that, was Desert One where it was like 115 out, so we had like mostly 57s, 421s, these webcore vintage mics. A couple ones that it was like, if someone, if some dune buggy runs over this, I don't care, yeah, like that was the mic locker. Um, so you get the F8, and then for Buffalo and Desert Two, we used an H6, mm-hmm. which has six inputs with the right attachment, right. and only four have phantom power. Right. So you're very, very, very limited in a really interesting and fun way. So Desert One, although we had eight inputs, it being the first one, we did a lot of close-miking stuff like, oh, you're going to want to snare under. No, you're not. Like, we found out later Like, we muted probably five out of eight of the <laughs> channels for the mixes. But yeah, so it's essentially we set up the the zoom recorder and then all the mics get plugged into a snake, which goes 50 feet to the zoom recorder, which usually hangs out near someone's back of their car. Um, just because when someone's playing drums outside for an hour, and three of your best friends are sitting there drinking, and you're watching someone play drums, someone's going to talk at some point about something loudly, and it's going to fuck everything up. Yes. So, <laughs> we well, especially
0: have- the setup you had with the shotgun mics being basically nuked right you can pick up conversations (laughs) everywhere nearby right and that's and
1: that's the trick so like in the h6 on buffalo and desert we would have four close mics so there was uh on those two we had a pair of c414s that was our nice nice mics for those um one was on the kick batter no kick front because then we'd have to use two mics to get one sound rather than get one sound and manipulate it a little bit to get everything. And then the other 414,
0: it's kind of like a mono overhead. sound. I think we used like a, yeah, a mono for a overhead
1: mono? for one of them for a few of them. Yeah. And then I had these AKG uh, 451 pencil condensers that we were using for like snare top and something else that was random. Right. That's another interesting thing about these packs is
0: very eclectic.
1: Yeah, eclectic, <laughs> and in doing them outside, because there's no reflections, you almost lose some detail mm. immediately. Right. So using a condenser microphone is going to hype the high end just by design, anyway. Mm-hmm. So you can you can get away with a lot more using nicer mics. Learn that from Desert One. Yes, we did. Uh, <laughs> so you've got the close mics set up, and then we have a pair of uh, Rode NTG threes that gets set up usually facing away from the kit, anywhere from 10 to 40, 50, 100 feet away, mm-hmm. that like Stefan said, they're nuked. They have to be gained up so hot to get the reflections at a, at a reasonable lo- volume that's compared to a microphone that's two inches from the snare head. Right. So it's, it's that dichotomy of close, far, all on the zoom. You can't see any of the waveforms there is a small LED meter for gain and you monitor everything in the nicest headphones you want to take outside. <laughs> yeah. So it's weird to and you can't really go back and play back. There's no like, oh rewind, let me play this for yeah. you. Yeah. Punching in, no. Yeah, because it just makes a new file on the drive. Probably too detailed, but yeah. So anyway, the it's essentially like Stefan plays for a while, I'll gain the mics up, get it sounding to where I'm like, this sounds
0: cool. Then I'll go play, Stefan checks it, and then we move on from there. The limitations are, there's no screen. So most of the time when you make music, all the time when you make music, unless you're... Jack White. Jack Some tape aficionado. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. some dude doing tape, which is one out of a million of us. Uh You're looking at a screen, you're getting visual feedback all the time. So when you have just a zoom, yeah, you got the meters and you're listening on headphones, but you don't, there's no way to interact with it and you can't zoom in and check out waveforms. So that's interesting in and of itself. Then you have the mic limitation on top of that. Mm -hmm. So you're having to basically get these sounds that you think you're going to need in post very specific ones, like you said, choose one kick drum mic, that's all you get. You can use two, but that'll take away from the six inputs. Right. So it's sort of these masochistic limitations that we like to put on ourselves. <laughs> right. <laughs> and not to mention the externalities of recording outside where you have... In the case of Buffalo, you have sandhill cranes making noise. You have wind. You have um, uh, weather. Gunshots. Gunshots. Hunting like stuff. (laughs) Yes.
1: Arizona was the same thing. Gunshots, planes, wind, birds. Planes, yeah. Planes
0: were a nightmare. Planes were an actual nightmare. We should have recorded during COVID. Like when COVID hit. Oh, Jesus. We're outside. Just put on some masks. No planes. Uh-huh. Would have been great. Uh Uh-huh. And having mics that, uh, all the windscreens too. Right. Was a thing as well. That's another limitation, big yeah. limitation. Those, the shotgun mics, the NTG3s that you were talking about that we take out there and nuke, those things have been like sort of the, the, the vibe. Like yeah. that's the vibe. Big time. <laughs> Had one for Desert One. That's mm-hmm. when you first discovered. You're like, Hey, I'm gonna point this. I'm gonna point this mic actually across and not point it at the drums. I'm gonna point it away from the drums and catch this reflection. And that—that's the first time I've heard anything like that. That was a big surprise too. That I think that's become sort of our thing. Mm-hmm. If we do another one of these outside packs, I don't know if we will. I'm sure we will eventually. But that—that mm-hmm. uh, that idea of capturing reflections and then nuking them is. Really fucking cool.
1: And it's interesting because in the end product in the first in Buff in Desert One in Buffalo you get the dry and you get the wet. So you essentially you get just the close mics as yeah. one sound and then you get just the far mics as another. Right. Desert Two we decided not to do that because there's very little feedback of like dude the dead snare on Buffalo. No, but nobody used that. Nobody no one that. bought it for that. You they buy saw it the for the, the reflections. reflections. Like, yeah. yeah, you want that. <laughs> Watch out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the limitations of it, I think, are something that make it extra, extra, extra cool and special. Mm-hmm. And I, in the same way, could devalue it to some people. Right. But I think to to most people that that do this either professionally or all the time, or like you end up understanding that you know if you put up forty mics and you only use three, that's a win. Yeah. You know, if you end up using all forty, have fun mixing that. You know what I mean? Like limitations are really good and really interesting. And then in the outdoor space where you could do so much, but really the realistic, the, the one and most important limitation is power. Yeah. Like you got to use something that has batteries or spend a couple grand to get a silent generator to hug, like lunk out fucking 20 grand worth of stuff into a field. That's going to get dusted by wind, you know? Yeah. It's just it's it that that physical limitation is awesome.
0: Yeah, that one night when we did Scorpion the first time in desert and the sun was setting, we were still tracking, and I was like, if our car doesn't start right now, we are dead. Uh-huh. We are actually dead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so moments like that, when you have there's just total limitations. Being in a weird space gets you in a headspace. It's I think it's it's the combination of all these things that makes it enjoyable on a personal level, and also we try to distill it into a, a useful songwriting tool or mm-hmm. just m- making a vibe tool mm-hmm. and there's definitely there's some diehard desert buffalo people that are like i fucking love that shit yeah but it is still very niche which is interesting because i i didn't know what to expect that first one we did mm-hmm. i still didn't know what to expect of volume two mm-hmm. so it's just interesting to see it play out and realize a little more and more that maybe this is just Maybe this is just for us. Maybe this is just like a fun experiment and the people that really want it will get it. Right. And then everybody else will just buy Dead Volume 1 and Dead Volume 2. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, apparently that's what people really want. <laughs> right. Which is which
1: is a good thing. You know, it's fun to have uh, variants of stuff out yeah. there. And it's. A, I think it's a weird time culturally for the outdoor stuff because like you said, the, there's so much thirst for cinematic sounds right now. Sure. But there's a giant disconnect between drum set being like rock music, jazz music, like you're pigeonholed into being not a percussionist, not a sound designer. Yeah. It's just drummer drum sounds for drum people doing drummer shit. Yeah, You know, like, <laughs> yeah. and I think that just gets misunderstood by mm-hmm. a great number of people. And That's interesting. And to what like music is right now, it isn't this t- 20 minute Brian Eno symphony of ARP, 20 you know 2600 mixed with these this Indonesian gamelan choir like you know that's not what everybody's buying I don't buying know how right that shit is, by yeah. the awesome <laughs> <laughs> perfect <laughs> you know it's just uh people people that have money to spend on music generally are making money at music generally or they're yeah. having such a great time doing it that they're going to invest in the tools that continue to allow them to have such a great time yeah so with the outside stuff it's just it's such a it's own thing that you got to hit the right person at the right place with the right time in line to make it really like sink in yeah but you know it's obviously very much sunken into both of us (laughs) yeah we're (laughs) we're a little uh desert through and through yeah desert three (laughs) no but um in the outside stuff, there's dead stuff for people to be stoked on. There's alive stuff for people to be stoked on. Yeah. there's like there's a definite mojo and energy that you can feel in those. Sounds yes.
0: Yes. Too, I agree. I think that's, that's a good point that hasn't really been talked about. And again, I think falls in line with our sort of woo woo hipster right. attitude toward <laughs> it. But I think there is something there in, in that, If the idea, if the impetus of drum samples and loops, and not to aggrandize it, but I'm going to, like, if the the idea is to be the backdrop of a song or be the inspiration for something, you want to be in a good headspace to play something cool. Mm -hmm. That you want other people to be like, oh yeah, like we were talking about earlier, I hear a riff over that. Mm -hmm. Being outdoors happens to bring out something interesting in you that your your mindset's completely shifted. Mm-hmm. Like when we're recording in a fucking hay bale, a giant mountain of hay bales, <laughs> like you couldn't help but be like, this is hilarious. Uh-huh. And like, what sounds cool? Because I'm like digging it back here. And so those are all just like super fat, ridiculous grooves that sound great is because you're in a headspace. And mm-hmm. I've actually gotten emails from people using the hay bale kit to like do a song uh-huh. and i hear it back i'm like that's fucking dope uh-huh. like if you didn't know that was in a hay bale like if we just marketed the hay bale pack as like uh, big fat loops right dead three yeah <laughs> and just not tell people it was recorded using a zoom handheld <laughs> recorder in a fucking hay bale <laughs> yeah. tube um it'd probably do great right how many times have we caught ourselves, though, doing the stuff we do outside and, and just looking around and being like, this is fucking ridiculous. Exactly. So many times. Uh huh. There was a couple moments in Buffalo Hay Bale Kit when it was like, this is, this is too much. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Totally. And I then, told you a cow got stuck in there like a month later. You right? did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I funny. want those sounds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was after the tones like we were. <laughs> There's so
1: much outside that you can't capture. Yeah. Like hay bale is the perfect example. There was, so it's two stacks of hay bales, maybe 10 feet high on each side and no ceiling. So it's an absorbent tunnel. And as you walked in, the the drum kit was probably like 30 yards in Mm -hmm. or something, 30 meters in. And, you know, as you walk closer to it, there's a different kind of comb filtering EQ that happens to it. So we're like, we're gonna set up mics at every different distance where it sounds different enough. They all sounded like shit, so we didn't use any of them. But that psychoacoustic phenomenon of walking away from a drum set through a hay bale thing was like just wild. That to was experience. the weirdest,
0: like natural psychoacoustic effect I've ever heard in my life. Same. Low cut helium induced voice like I don't even know how to describe it it was just the craziest thing
1: How does it sound in there? It sounds like an ISO boost. Okay dope You want to come hear how weird it sounds? I do
0: And those are, those are such the fun moments in these packs when it's like you could never fucking do that in a real studio. Never I mean, you could, you could try to do something like that, but it'd be like, yeah, we did this on the, you know, Tom Petty record and we'll, we'll do we'll do it on yours. But uh-huh. it's like, dude, we're recording a fucking hay bale tunnel. Right.
1: <laughs> the only place you'd see that is like the, the Dewey Cox movie <laughs> that John C. Riley's in. Right. I need that drum, the hay bale drum tone. So I'm going to bring in hay bales of hay into East West, pay t- 20 G's yes. to have it here
0: and, you know. Maybe so some different. like super rich person that has bought our packs will see the hay bale thing. Maybe Kanye will do it. Yeah, They'll be like, "Yo, this is Wyoming. <laughs> this is what we do up here." The hay bale kid. I, I really think Kanye needs to see that that Buffalo Library. I think he'd really blow it up for us for sure. If that's what we want, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, 2020 press, is a weird year. No
1: press is bad press, but yeah, okay. I think, think, yeah. I think we're good there. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a lot of value in going outside, not only on just like a intangible personal level, but on a sonic level. Um, It's I'm curious to explore more how to demonstrate and get that feeling across. Yeah. Cause there is such a powerful and different feeling. Like, like when we went to uh, we went to mix all of these at, or, except for Desert Two, we mixed at the, we mixed Buffalo and Desert One at the blasting room. Mm-hmm. And we went in, and both Jason and Andrew were like, fuck, I wanna take a band outside. Yeah. That sounds cool. Interesting. What was it? Super dead? And we're like, yes, it was. It was really cool. So, it was interesting to have these seasoned engineers that, like, with Grammy nods and stuff like that, be like, wow, this is really interesting. Yeah. But your general, like, you know, watching drum lessons on YouTube person is like, huh, okay, a little bit. Cool. You got like Bonham ish, whatever, you know. But there is there is so much usable goodness and good vibe in there that yeah. I hope I hope that in the future it, it connects. Whether yeah. it's with the cinematic people or the drum set people or the producer people or fucking Patagonia, like you know, <laughs> like
0: <laughs> Very Hopefully true. it'll
1: connect with somebody enough that um They that this feeling of doing it can be shared. Yes. Because I think that's, to me, that's the most powerful piece of it. It's like you're getting uh, a sample slice, no pun intended, of what we did not only in Sonics, but in vibe and feeling. Sure. We're out doing something that is fun for us, that makes sense to us, that sounds good to us. We want to share it. We want it to do well. We want everybody to like it. Whether or not that happens, that doesn't necessarily matter, but it's the process of doing something you like in an innovative way with limitations that makes it just kind of sparkly
0: and starry eyed and, you know, great. That's it. That's everything. Right. (laughs) Right. It doesn't get any better than that. I remember in desert too, specifically, there was a moment when I was looking around and it's just, it was four of us and it was just all my best friends and we were just hitting drums and laughing about how stupid this was, and it was like this is the best it's ever gonna get. <laughs> uh-huh. Totally. <laughs> so I don't know. It's I just love doing. It. I love the creative process too of just capturing it all and distilling it into a a pack. And I I just you know again I think you're totally right. Like if you love it, who gives a shit? Just you know put it out there and let people do whatever they want with it. But it was it's just one of those days when it was like, this is a perfect day. (laughs) Yep. Exactly. Magic. (laughs) Magic. Real magic. I think that's probably a good spot to end on unless you got any other, uh, gems in there. I got nothing. Sweet. Nothing. First podcast down the tube. (laughs) Perfect. That was fun, man. Thank you for listening to the first episode of the Circles podcast. If you are interested in purchasing any of the libraries we talked about today, you can go to circlesdrumsamples.com and check out our desert or Buffalo libraries or any of our libraries. And if you are interested in a discount on any of our sample packs, use the code podcast at checkout to save 10%. So again, that's circlesdrumsamples.com use the code podcast to save 10% on any library. Thank you guys for listening. This was really fun. I can't wait to do more of these. And uh, yeah, if you want to leave us feedback, great. If you liked it, leave us five stars or whatever you're supposed to do on these podcast things. We just really appreciate any feedback or any love you guys could give us. And thanks for listening.